Welcome to The Culture Bar, a panel discussion podcast exploring, dissecting and shedding light on important topics in the arts and music world which matter to you. Hello, I'm Fiona Livingston and in this podcast we will be discussing Smashing the Glass Ceiling, Women in Publishing. I'm excited to be joined by Katie Packer, Commissioning Editor at Headline Publishing to explore this topic and find out more about what it means to be a woman in publishing. Thank you for joining us, Katie. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you, Fiona. Uh, thank you for coming. During our conversation, we will celebrate the successes of women in publishing, including challenges overcome, success stories, and identifying gaps or improvements in the industry, and hopefully try to dispel some myths and give some words of advice for budding women publishers and authors. There's a lot to cover here, and it's great to have Katie's perspective and experience to help us navigate this topic. So I think it will be really interesting to start our conversation, Katie, by finding out more about you. Could you tell us about your journey as a woman in publishing? So how you got started, what motivated you, and what kind of roles you've had? Yeah, sure. Um, I... Well, I think I grew up in a sort of background where I didn't really know publishing existed. Um, <laughs> I used to steal my mum's adult books as I was growing up and that was kind of how I fell in love with reading and kind of realised that books were my bag basically. And then I went to university and I did English um, and came out and was like actually I, I started to hear about publishing and, and what it was so I started to do my research and I was sort of between that and radio <laughs> but radio felt like even more of a pipe dream than publishing even though publishing is is it can be hard to get into but I sort of did all my research and then applied 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 <laughs> and managed to get in on an internship with Hashtag UK and I did a two month internship where I went around all the different departments from editorial to marketing to publicity. I did a day in finance. Um, needless to say, that was a very long day for me. <laughs> um, and in the end, I realized I really, really loved editorial and I managed to get a job as an assistant, assisting three um, children's publishers. And that was great. I, I learned a lot from them. It was quite, it was hard at times. I don't think I'm a very assistant person. So <laughs> I did struggle a bit, but um, managed to get a job as an assistant editor, um, again, within Hashtag UK, but for Headline, which is the, um, we do adult publishing uh, within nonfiction, because I think I basically am a bit of a pop culture buff nerd. And I think that shone through and I've been a headline ever since. I've been at headline for over four years now and started out as an assistant editor. And now I am a commissioning editor um, and have my own list. And it, I love it. It's, it's such a fulfilling job. Um, but I'm lucky to ha have learned from that internship about lots of different areas of publishing as well, um, which has really helped me sort of on my way, on my way up. Oh, that's amazing, Katie. Um, what, who, who do you have on your list? C can you share? <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so uh, I published last year uh, Sunday Times bestseller um, Love and Colour by Bolu Babalola. Uh, she is a brilliant new writer. I actually do a little bit of fiction. So I do about 10% <laughs> fiction and 90% nonfiction. And she was she's a fiction author. And her debut novel is coming out next year called Honey and Spice. 
she's amazing. I publish um, Dr. Shola Moshogbimimu, and she is an incredible activist and feminist. Um, she famously took on Piers Morgan very recently. <laughs> um, and she's just a pleasure to work with and such an incredible woman. Um, I, I also published the Receipts podcast, who are an incredible millennial women's pop podcast, um, and they've got a book coming out in June. And in autumn, I am publishing, which is very crazy to me, Lil Kim's autobiography. Oh, uh, wow. which, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was me when I when I won the auction, to be honest. Um, I, I am pretty um, amazed that that's happening. And her story is just incredible. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to read that. Oh, you know, I know. I, I, it's honestly going to be an amazing book. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's an amazing list, though. It's so diverse. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So, and and also thank you for sharing your um, career journey with us. I mean, it's really it's really useful for listeners, I think, to um, get a, an example of what a kind of publishing career journey can look like in reality, rather than kind of dreaming about uh, about mm. what it could be like. So, it's really great to kind of have your um, have your experience on what that looked like for you. So, thank you yeah. so much for that. Um, and I think so, our listeners can get a sense of. Um, maybe how the publishing industry has evolved. Can you tell us maybe in your opinion um, what the publishing industry was like in the past and what it's like now and what kind of changes have there been which um, are impacting women? Yeah, um, such a good question. In the past, I know for a fact publishing was a very much an old white men's club um, they would do deals over long lunches with <laughs> with much prosecco. This is just sort of told to me from from people who have been around to see the significant changes happen and have seen this sort of older, yeah, older period of of publishing where it, it, it was so dominated by men. It's ha there's been huge changes since. I mean, we the comp the um, industry is like something about eighty percent women. Um, we are lacking in the sense that that is predominantly white women, but at, on a gender balance, it, it's quite in favor of women. And I think the the what hadn't changed and what still I feel like is slow to change is the fact that men tend to be still be in those kind of high up um, board level positions that still aren't caught, you know, despite now being a female heavy um, uh, industry, we, we still have majority men on the boards, which I think is something that a lot of publishers I know are, are trying to move forward and change. And I hope that happens very soon. That's really interesting. It sort of seems to be a bit of a trend across the arts that they, you know, the, the majority of people working in it are women, but mm. the people in the senior leadership positions are, Oh, old male and stale I think is one of the phrases that kind of <laughs> pale male and stale pale male and stale that's the one yeah. and it's it, it is true isn't it and you know it's the same in music in art galleries and things like that so it's so interesting that uh, for me especially to realize that that's actually the same or very similar in the publishing world as well so I mean so so what kind of roles are women in in publishing are they kind of more in the kind of junior to mid level positions like are there any uh, women leading publishing houses and that there, there are women on the board and there's some incredible women um who are leading the way um 
off the top of my head, Katie Espinar, she runs um, Orion, which is a, she's an MD of a, it's an amazing publishing house. Um, Charmaine Lovegrove is an incredible um, black woman publishing um, a whole list. Um, I think she's a publishing publisher. Uh, so there definitely are, and that, that's, you know, just two people, but there are women really up there now, which is great to see. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that there tends to be a lot of, there's a lot of women on all levels of sort of like from assistant junior to managerial level, but it is kind of on that, I think managerial upwards, it starts to become a lot more sparse. And I do kind of wonder if that's to do with women then having children. And and so they're not necessarily pushed for advancements like, and then men basically overtake them. Um, Not sure, but that's kind of the layout at the moment. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to kind of investigate, you know, why that drop off happens. You know, and like you said, you know, is it because women, you know, need to focus on on the families and things like that? And obviously, we know that, you know, men don't have so many ties when it comes to that um, to, to that part of life. Um, so yeah, it would be really interesting um, if if somebody could do a study you know, on. Um, yeah, I'd love to happened. see that. Yeah, because that would be really, really fascinating to see. Because you know, like you said, like eighty percent of women are, you know, are you know working in the publishing industry. So you would think they would be more evenly distributed in those upper levels as well, seeing as there's so many kind of coming through. Yeah, um, and incredibly, you know, with with a predominantly women workforce, there's still a gender pay gap, and that no kind of way. says it. That that says it all, really. <laughs> it really does. Oh my goodness, really? Gosh, yeah, it's so is. shocking. It's really shocking. I mean, it's terrible that that exists anyway, let alone Mm. in publishing. My goodness. Mm. So lots of things that need to maybe be changed for the future then. So progress has been made, but um, still room for improvement for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I was going to actually give two great examples of of Katie and Charmaine, but where do you think women lead in publishing? As in department-wise? Yeah. Oh, um... I think there are real um, there are women leading not just in editorial. I feel like sometimes in um, publishing we can be so um, editorial focused at times, and as an editor, I feel like I fall into that as well. And I, I try not to because there are women doing incredibly well in publicity, in marketing, in rights. There's an incredible rights director called Rebecca Folland who works in my company. Um, there are people women working in production, finance, all these areas. I, I think it's it's quite well distributed. I I see, you know, I imagine that I hope that there are role models for um, young women starting out in in all spaces and all departments that are publishing. Obviously, I'm just more I'm more um, switched on to editorial people, but um, I definitely know there are women properly leading the way in those other spaces. Yeah, absolutely. I think you make a really good point that, you know, working for a publishing house isn't just being an an editor or a, you know, uh, somebody who commissions um, authors and works. There's a whole system in place there, isn't there? Like you said, like even accounts, you know, (laughs) that royalties, they have a whole job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's it. I think that's really important for listeners to realise that, you know, if you want to have a career in publishing um, and you're, you know, you're fascinated by by literature and things like that, you know, that, uh, but you have maybe a background in accounting, you can work for a publishing house in accounting. Yes. There's yeah. so many ways in and d- design, for example, but it doesn't have to be, you know, working on the, the actual text. You could be working on covers for it and, yeah. and 
designers are such a huge I mean we say don't judge a book by its cover but we all do so yeah. designers are hugely important absolutely absolutely you know that's that's a really great point that you've raised there which I think can get very much hidden in this uh, kind of uh, conversational thought process when people think about publishing so so no I think the big the big message there is that there are opportunities <laughs> uh, to have a career yeah. in publishing world um, and I also wanted to ask sort of leading on from that um, do you think there's a difference between working for a, an independent or a major publishing house and do they sort of differ on their role of um, women within their organizations at all I, I think a lot of the, some of the independent publishers were started up by women. And so yeah. they kind of, they maybe have come a bit further with, with women sort of running the way. Whereas I think some of the more, the ones that have been around for a long, long time, again, are sort of still trying to battle off that kind of white male uh, systemic uh, system that they've created. Whereas I think some potentially, some of the more independent publishers are just have started more recently or um and are just maybe more uh flexible and able to sort of keep with the times more mm -hmm. um but having not worked an independent publisher I probably couldn't speak so, uh, <laughs> um fully on that and but I definitely know that, that there can be a little bit more flexibility on a sort of smaller scale mm -hmm. no absolutely and um do you think that the major publishing houses are sort of focusing on um, the role of women within their companies, you know, trying to, you know, maybe have a support network there or, you know, being able to, you know, support women in their careers and, you know, being able to, you know, facilitate them to achieve what they want to achieve within their, you know, the, within their publishing house. Because I know that sort of in the music industry, particularly at Warner's, um, they have a whole kind of working group set up for women in music to make sure that um, women within the company um get to achieve the things that they want to achieve which is a really amazing idea and I was just wondering like is there anything like that within the publishing industry um yeah so um all of the uh, big publishers that I know of had tend to have networks which are kind of cross the company uh networks where um that where we kind of talk about issues like this so for example at Hachette we have um the gender balance network, which is run by women to try and, and create more equality. And I know I, I'm pretty sure Penguin has a similar one, but I think there are there is some great work to sort of further women, but I feel that what's missing is sometimes furthering opportunities for black women and women of other ethnic minorities. Um, like my feminism is very much about all women uh, um, of every background. And I definitely, there's not enough representation right now. And I think sometimes, you know, then there needs to be sort of like pulling these, empowering these women up with us to make sure that they're included in our, you know, our, our publishing industry and included in our, um, our, our furthering of women within the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. There's so much more that can be done to support women of all ethnicities, backgrounds, um, and, you know, to try and support them to, you know, have the careers that they want to have. And yeah, you know, ac across all the arts, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> they're battling different things as well. And they're really yeah. coming up against it when it comes to, you know, trying to um, 
you know, they're women and they're women and they haven't, they're from a minority ethnic background. And it's, it's, it's so much more to deal with in, on an intersectional level. And I think there can be more specific support directed at them to sort of further their careers for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and now just to kind of um, move on to another topic, um, I'd like to touch a little bit on the kind of writing side of publishing, because yeah. obviously that's quite an integral <laughs> part of the <laughs> yes. publishing world. Um, and I wanted to ask you a question that has been on my mind, I have to say, for years, and I'd love to get your opinion on it. Um, and I was wondering, like, is there any evidence to say that women or male writers are more successful? You know, is this just a complete myth? Because you sort of hear on the grapevine that women authors win more awards and accolades, but men sell more books. And I was just wondering, like, is this all just hooey um, or, or is it actually really equal? I'd just lo love to get your insight on that. Oh, I really, I really wish there was data on this that I had to hand, but I am pretty, um, I'm pretty sure it's quite equal. I mean, you see now in the bestseller list, I feel like it's way more equal when it comes to specifically white men and white women being represented on those top bestseller lists. And mm -hmm. I do think there is balance there for sure when it comes to, um, I think even ethnic minority and black men in in writers as well as again black and ethnic minority women writers mm. that representation is not there at all yeah. so I think we are there's like a yes and no to that yeah. I don't <laughs> I, I think there is some you know there's some great success happening with women writers that is incredible to see and I don't think men are being hard done by at all because I still yeah. am seeing a lot of men in the bestseller charts um but yeah I think what we're missing a lot more is that is that representation beyond that for sure yeah. yeah absolutely and what do you think can be done to improve that representation of um ethnic minority authors um <laughs> publishing more of them which sounds <laughs> like a very simple thing but unfortunately is not um it's just normalizing it across the board i i think you know it's something ridiculous like two percent of all books published within like last year were by black and ethnic minority writers and that oh just can't be the case they they make up 40 percent of london i think yeah uh 45 i think so it has to be <laughs> it has to get better Absolutely. and that that just comes from yeah publishers being very proactive and agents also get who are gatekeepers being very proactive to make sure that they are finding writers in this area and really really giving them the opportunity to have that writing career um, and giving them the same the same level of sort of uh, funding behind them for the books as well you know I think mm -hmm. typically um, a, a lot of white writers will get so much money put behind the marketing and publicity and we need to be doing the same across the board so it's kind of it's about making real proactive um steps within the the editors but also just the whole business putting the money behind it as well that's really key yeah absolutely I'm really shocked that it's only two percent Katie that's just it's something mad like that I, I think it's children's books as well the 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 um statistic for that was just like harrowing considering young children having books that show them should be so it's, it should be just the most essential thing but it's not 
No, absolutely. That's just, yeah, really shocking. So I'm really happy that you've raised that because it's important to shout about it um, and to tell people that this is the situation mm. um, and that, you know, work still absolutely needs to be done across the whole kind of, like, like you said, the whole publishing sector, you know, including the agents, marketing, finance, you know, it really is the whole kind of, you know, setting the wheels in motion and it should be equal. I mean, why should it be any different? Mm. You know, and that's what I think really I find quite sad really is that, you know, why should that be any different? You know, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman or where you come from or your background, you know, if you're launching an amazing novel or nonfiction, then you should absolutely have the investment and support that you need to make that a success. And that's everyone's interest, surely. Surely. I mean, hopefully change will come. I mean, we, you know, I remember reading about and and watching films about the time when women literally couldn't get books published and would have to write under pseudonyms. And I'm sure we all have heard those those stories from from history. And it's a this is the new that and it will change and but yeah it's better if people kind of choose to be on the right side of history with that (laughs) yeah absolutely and I was going to ask actually about pen names because I I was wondering if that was still actually a thing in publishing you know are women authors encouraged to have a pen name or a a, a gender neutral name oh um I would say no I think it's very much the that's the author's decision now if they felt a very specific kind of way about it um I wouldn't say it's something that is I just can't imagine I can't imagine myself ever (laughs) suggesting um, them to change their their name I think that is almost from another time now but then people might have their reasons I'm, I'm not sure yeah, exactly. Like I suppose if you have your own personal reasons for anonymity or exactly. something like that, then that makes like total sense. But yeah, I wasn't sure if it was still one of those kind of myths from the past that, you know, that you, you if you were a woman, you absolutely had to have a pen name or just go by your initials or something like that so that, you know, men would buy your book or that, you know, that somehow meant that your book was better quality because it was written mm. by a man, you know, all of those awful things that are just not true. I think um, certain genres, it's all, it's kind of stuck around a bit longer than others. I think, you oh, know, really? the kind of like crime and thriller, oh. um, serious military history, histories like that. I think it's it, it can be really hard for women to publish that under their own, their own name. I think that, it, that but I feel like that that's not, of the last 10 years I feel like that was maybe yeah. before yeah no that well that's a really good positive thing to hear isn't it that you, yeah if you want to write under your own name then you absolutely can do and that's you know nobody's pressurizing anyone to definitely you know, by initials or by something else you know because that's just just awful really so no that's a really encouraging thing to to hear about and um, but one of the things I, I did want to ask as well was um sort of going back to to gender again was you know does anybody actually care about the gender or ethnicity even of an author? You know, where is this coming from? You know, is it coming from outside the industry? You know, does the publishing industry think that that's what readers want? You know, that they want to hear from, you know, males or females or whoever. Um, You know, this is actually, you know, just a reaction to what readers want, but the publishing industry itself doesn't actually care. It would just be interesting mm. to know, like, what is this sort of symptomatic of? Because it must be coming from somewhere. I feel like publishing is super reflective of the world that we're in and, and that <laughs> it really it really just shows in, in all of the books that we publish. I think, it, yeah, it is in part 
driven by consumers I guess there's, there's something we talk about in publishing it's called com like competitors competitor titles and these are basically what we base our sales numbers on and what we base what we're going to go forward publishing on it's a bit of a flawed concept but if you've only been publishing for example white men in a certain area and that's the only thing that's been successful they that you end up only continuing to publish it, the white men in that specific genre right. and I feel like it's just that that pattern and, and what needs to be done more is sort of shaking that up and you know being like well no this book doesn't have a competitor title nothing has been done like it wow. no author of this you know this woman's background or this other background has has ever written this but yeah. that's a great thing because that's meeting mm -hmm. a new market because so often, you know, publishing is targeted, it's been, it's been targeted at a certain market of a book buying market. And that sometimes isn't extended to include people who are book buying, but not necessarily been catered to for a long time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, it feels like a very kind of almost like old fashioned, very narrow way of thinking about the market, you know, with these competitor titles. Yeah, like, tell me about it. <laughs> like, it's just crazy, actually. I was like really surprised hearing you do, um, talk about that because I've never heard of that before at all. It's but, yeah. yeah, I guess it's strange in a creative industry. You'd think was you know, I guess it's a way of mitigating risk and trying to find mm -hmm. um, a way of basing what we pay for something to base oh. it on something that's happened before, which is it can be helpful, but not always. I think no. that's the main takeaway. Exactly, it sort of helps to give you a baseline, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but that that shouldn't be the kind of be all and end all of the situation. <laughs> um, and it, like you said, especially if somebody's doing um, something groundbreaking, where do they fit into that? Mm. So it's really that's really interesting. Um, and I also wanted to ask, actually, is it um, and we, we sort of touched on this a little bit already, but um, is it more difficult to sort of um, get signed or get published as a female writer? I'd like to say no <laughs> I, I mean I think sometimes if they're writing in a specific area I would probably say I would imagine that their credentials would get questioned more so than if a, a mm. man was writing in that area mm -hmm. I can totally see that happen happening and I have seen that happen oh gosh <laughs> mm. but uh <laughs> I think no I would I, I would say you know there are so many brilliant women agents out there now who are commissioning women's writers women's fiction but also women agents who are commissioning women for you know history and politics and everything under the sun so I, I would I would say on the whole no but I, I'm also not going to be ignorant of the of the realities that exist when you know women do come under a bit more scrutiny when yeah. they were there you know what is your ability to write on this mm -hmm. x subject yeah mm -hmm. yeah that that makes sense that makes sense but surely that that kind of um, scrutiny should fall to everyone you know, exactly um, it should <laughs> you know, again it's that kind of sort of almost um subconscious gender bias in a way yeah it's the, it is unconscious bias for sure yeah absolutely um and I just have a few more questions for you Katie to sort of um finish off our discussion today um and I'd really love to ask you if you um could highlight maybe a key moment uh, for you where a woman overcame the odds in publishing or made changes to the industry which made um an impact 
Wow, yeah. I mean, that is oh, that's so hard. I know so many brilliant women as <laughs> I'd love to call out. I mean, for me, someone who I really inspires me um is she her name is Mireille Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is the editor of Square Peg. And she she, you know, she started around the same time as me. So she's relatively young in this industry and she's done so much in, in that space of time. She's essentially running Square Peg um, and it's her and another black woman who who run the company and she's publishing just such interesting books like really um, really sort of going against the grain and, and setting whole new trends and it's just super exciting to see someone like that who's just killing it um, <laughs> and doing something really different and overcoming a lot of odds against her I mean yeah. she is she's one of very few black women in the industry and she's already at that level I mean it's quite an amazing feat of uh to be doing that so she is someone I'd love to I wanted to shout out for sure oh she sounds absolutely amazing and I'm definitely going to look her up after our conversation (laughs) she's great she's also got um an obscene amount of Instagram followers because she created um a asset for when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening last year, she created an asset called 10 Steps to Non-Optical Allyship. And it went absolutely viral wow. and Ariana Grande shared it. And um, oh my goodness. She's just one of those people who when she when she writes and when she speaks, she does so with real gusto and you want to listen. So that's just a that was just a sort of example of that. Wow, that's that's so inspiring to hear that, you know, she's been able to make those strides mm. um, and make those changes. And, and, and like you said, to be heard. Um, that's so impressive in such a competitive industry. Yeah, exactly. That's really amazing. Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask um, was, I mean, we've again, we've touched on some of these already, but may, maybe you want to take the opportunity to maybe dive into these a bit more. But what are the gaps that you think still need to be addressed in the industry? And, you know, what do you think can actually be done to make these effective? Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I feel like I have uh, <laughs> said some of this, but like, <laughs> I, um, I really think there needs to be more women at that top level making decisions and hopefully then will better the prospects and and careers of women coming up in the industry and making sure they don't come up against any they're not falling behind because of maternity leave and and all these things that shouldn't hold anyone back anymore yeah and I another gap is is just the representation of of black and ethnic minority women I have some incredible friends who are doing some amazing work but they are too few in an industry that should be super representative and that's just not just them it's also men as well um of of sort of minority backgrounds and I would just love to see that and I think that change comes from not just setting targets but to actually take action and and making sure that the culture within the companies is is very welcoming and and accepting Mm -hmm. and not I think there's a lot of um effort put into creating internships and creating these entry-level spaces Mm. but there's not enough done about actually nurturing these people and making sure that they feel that their work is being valued and ascend up the the ranks and that's what I would love to see more of um and I think that probably comes from training and uh putting money behind these people as well 
Yeah, absolutely. I know. I think those are really great gaps um, that, that you've identified there. And I would really hope that you know, over the next few years or even sooner that um, we'll be able to see those changes and, you know, and see those things actually being implemented proactively and and honestly and transparently um, yeah. in the publishing industry to, to make this happen. Fingers um, crossed. I think the first step is acknowledging the the what we're not doing and I yeah. publishing is is doing that, which is great. And that's that's the first step is to actually have the conversation. So now I'm really ready for sort of yeah, the movement to happen and action. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. Um, and my my final question to you, Katie, is uh, what are your key words of advice to women wanting to get into the publishing industry? For women wanting to get into the publishing industry, I would say, yes, it's competitive. It's all of that. Every creative industry is. But believe in your believe in your talent, believe in your uniqueness of perspective and never forget that publishing it runs on a currency of ideas. And if you are bringing new ideas and you are bringing a fresh perspective, you are bringing a lot to the game and you deserve a place there and and just just don't give up I I it's, it's what everyone says but it's really important and I would love to just see more super talented young women in every every area of publishing that would just be the best possible thing and the same applies to women writers as well yeah. um and a big tip for them would just be just start writing because <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part is starting and that's how you practice writing is a skill and it it requires practice so just keep going with that it's not going to be perfect on your first draft <laughs> no those are brilliant tips uh katie thank you so much for sharing all of that no and worries. thank you so much for spending time with us today to talk um and share your experiences and your expertise with us on this absolutely amazing topic and i really really hope that um you know maybe in a year's time we can come back to this and look at all the changes that have happened and all the positive things that have changed in, in the industry uh, which we've highlighted today that would be really really interesting to see that would be amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks so much for having me i've had an absolutely brilliant time chatting to you thank you so much katie thank you katie for being with us today to discuss women in publishing thank you also to merlin thomas our editor and robert cochran composer of our theme tune music we hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you haven't done so already be sure to check out all the other episodes from the culture bar with topics ranging from asking can art and digital mix to awareness and representation in the arts. We've had guests from the Whitechapel Gallery, BBC and the British Museum, from former pro football referees to members of the UK Parliament and practising musicians and artists. And to get all of that and more, please subscribe or leave us a review.